On this episode of Progressive Palaver, I discuss Asia's Aura, Silent Nation, and Phoenix. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this continuing solo series of palavers, I am going to continue discussing the Asia catalog, finishing up the John Payne era with Aura and Silent Nation, and moving into the rebirth of the original Asia with Phoenix. Okay, so welcome back, everyone, to this progressive palaver. This should be the penultimate in this palaver for one series on the back half of the Asia catalog. I am coming to you from different environs. The palaver is on the road at this point, and in fact, I am sitting in what can only be described as a fantastic place overlooking the beautiful, beautiful Lake Travis outside of Austin, Texas, here in the heart of the summer. It is absolutely spectacular here, and I find it to be very, very um, inspiring for this sort of thing. And I think it's helped me, helped provide me a little bit of clarity, perhaps, on on these three albums that we're going to discuss today. Now, as we discussed in the last episode, and as you've already figured out from what I the albums I've introduced on this one, I was unable to obtain copies of either Archiva 2 or Rare. So we're going to have to proceed ahead without those two albums. And if I ever get my hands on them in the future, I'll circle back and throw in a uh, an Asia Revisited or something to that effect. But actually, I think these three albums actually, you know, tell a pretty decent story as I've spent a lot of time listening to them. And I'm very, very keen to sort of discuss the three of these together as I think, you know, like I said, there's there's definitely some interesting you know, text here. So these three albums are in a lot of ways vastly different from each other. I guess I should back up and say the the copy of Silent Nation that I have was, I guess, the super duper deluxe version or whatever it's called, because it has the the sort of documentary, the making of Silent Nation in there. And there's a lot of talk on that documentary, mostly from Jeff Payne, regarding the you know the differences of Silent Nation versus the other albums, and so fundamentally, when you think about the three of these albums with relation to each other, then Aura is the last of the you know Jeff Payne era albums that utilized 
you know, basically Jeff Downs and John Payne and a bunch of session musicians, as it was described. And if you look at, and we'll get into it, but if you look at the, the list of musicians on Aura, it is a smorgasbord. Every track seems to have a different combination of musicians, and you get the impression from what was what was said in the documentary on Silent Nation that Jeff and John would basically lay down, you know, tracks and then they would just have, you know, session musicians come in or they would send them tapes or whatever the case may be. And so it wasn't those the albums prior to Silent Nation were not necessarily recorded or even constructed as a band per se. And when you sort of have that light shown on them and you go back and listen to them, it makes a certain amount of sense. It doesn't detract from them in any way, shape or form, but it is, you know, a little bit, a little bit different. Contrast that with, um, with Silent Nation. Now, Silent Nation, by their own admission, was recorded as a band in order to get sort of a more of a live band feel. And if you listen to the album, you know, with that knowledge, it again, seems very, very obvious, you know, that they, they definitely achieved that. So those two are different in that regard. And although that being said, (laughs) the, apparently the songs were not written for it, the songs for Silent Nation were not written in that in that manner. Um, according to the story that John Payne tells, they were still, you know, mainly composed by himself and Jeff Downs. And I guess they had recorded, you know, a virtually complete demos that he said they were using as quote unquote notes for the band in the actual live recording for the album. So that's interesting. And we'll get into some of the the guest musicians and uh, writers on that as we get into that as well. And then everyone knows, obviously, you know, and we've already talked about a little bit back on the Palaver, but in 2008, the original lineup of Asia was reunited with the album Phoenix. We're going to cover these three albums now, and that will leave us with Omega, Triple X, and Gravitas to finish out this series on the rest of the Asia catalog. So I'm, I'm very, very excited to, to continue this. And I will say, with regards to the last three albums, I have never heard any of the three of them. I purchased them specifically for this exercise and I didn't want to distract myself from understanding the the sort of end of the John Payne era. And so I purposefully didn't go past Phoenix yet because I wanted to sort of keep the story straight in my mind. And, and as I said from the beginning of this series, I wanted to be able to give John Payne Asia, you know, a, a fair shake. And, you know, I think I've been able to do that, but that being said, um, and again, once we get into the Phoenix, I'll make my feelings clear on that, but I am now very, very excited to listen to those last three albums and see, see what's there. So that should be very, very exciting. 
Okay, so Aura. Aura was released in January 2001. It was produced by Simon Hanhart in Asia, and it was released at least in some areas on the label recognition. I believe it, we're going to find it was other things somewhere else. The personnel are John Payne and Jeff Downs, um, lead vocals, bass guitar, and keyboards, respectively, and a whole host of guest musicians. Guitarists include Steve Howe, Guthrie Govan, Ian Crichton, Pat Thrall, and Elliot Randall. One song features Tony Levin on bass, and drums include Chris Slade, Vinnie Cavalluccia, I'm sorry if I can't say that right, Michael Sturgis, and Simon Phillips. The track listing is Awake, Wherever You Are, Ready to Go Home, The Last Time, Forgive Me, Kings of the Day, On the Coldest Day in Hell, Free, You're the Stranger, The Longest Night, and Aura. The Wikipedia is extraordinarily short on this. Aura is the eighth studio album by the British rock band Asia, released in 2001. Not very, very helpful. Now, since you're listening to this, presumably you've listened to the rest of this Palaver for One series on Asia, and you will know my feelings now on Steve Howe showing up on Asia albums. I absolutely love it. And Steve Howe, as previously mentioned, returns on Aura, and it is absolutely spectacular. Love it. This album gets me very excited. In the last episode, when we were discussing, when I was discussing Arena, I had mentioned that up until spending quality time with Arena for that episode, Aura was probably my favorite John Payne era record. And I'm, I'm a little conflicted at this point on which one of these albums I like better. Um, I had listened to Aura just a little bit, but I had listened to Arena a lot more. I think I think Aura is sort of better across the board, but I do think maybe some of the highlights on Arena can be a little bit higher, and some of the lows can be a little bit lower. But I will say unequivocally that... Aura contains my favorite John Payne era song on as well. So that is something that is certainly there. Now, as we mentioned previously, Aura apparently was recorded in bits and pieces by Jeff and, and John Payne with adding studio musicians in. As described in the documentary on Silent Nation, Jeff described Aura as really an extension of Arena. It was more jazzy and than maybe what they were going for in Silent Nation, which was more of a, a rock feel to it, and perhaps much more of a rock feel than you know something like Astra or, or even Aqua to a certain degree. I think listening to it, I think that the, the songs overall are are pretty strong. I think, um, you know, the, the songs in general are just solid across the board. And 
one interesting thing about this, there's one track on here, Wherever You Are, which is the second track on the album, actually features the Silent Nation lineup. Now, this is the only track that features that lineup of the four of them. That would be Jeff and John, along with Guthrie Govan and um, Chris Slade. Now, Guthrie and Chris do show up on different tracks. They just never show up together on this record, which is, I think is kind of interesting. I also need to point out that this album features a cover by Roger Dean, and we all love when that happens. Anytime we get an album with a Roger Dean cover on it, we are very, very happy people. What I find interesting is this is, you know, there were, there were two Asia album covers done by the other guy, and I forget his name right now, Aqua and Arena. And it, on the album immediately following those records, those records, Aria and Aura, have Roger Dean covers. And it's interesting that in both those cases, Roger Dean uses a color palette similar to what was used on the previous non-Roger Dean cover. I don't know what that means. I just felt like I should point it out. You know, anytime I see Tony Levin's name, I sit up and I take notice because I absolutely love Tony Levin. I love what Tony Levin does. I, I don't know that Ready to Go Home really showcases a lot of what Tony Levin can do. I'm kind of curious as to why Tony Levin, you know, shows up here on this record. It's kind of interesting. You know, again, this is a very, very solid album. I really, really enjoy it. I think, you know, especially given the way that these albums were recorded, you have to really give your hats off to Jeff and John as producers. I think, you know, they've shown themselves time and time again to be very adept at that. I think they do a good job. The album, you know, sounds great. The mix is very solid. You're not overwhelmed by one thing or another. And I will also say, you know, John Payne has gotten increasingly better as a singer. And I, you know, while in, in Aqua, we had some discussion about, you know, his, his dramatic persona, if you will, while singing some of these things, he's, you know, by this point, he's, he's learned to sort of rein that in a little bit and he can still provide sort of the emphasis or the bombast without sounding you know, too over the top about it. And I find the more time goes along, you know, I really do enjoy John's voice in terms of his singing. I don't always care for the lyrics necessarily, but, you know, the the voice is, is really solid, and I think it can be very, very powerful when he wants it to be. As we get into the songs themselves, you know, Awake opens with a really, really great groove. It, 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 you know, from the beginning, it's, you know, it's sort of obvious, if you will, the connections between this and Arena with that, you know, sort of jazzy feel to it. And I just think it's a, it's a really, really great way to open the record, gets you into it right away, um, you know, and it, it kind of takes you places. So according to the wikis, the lyrics for Awake were adapted from the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. And I don't know, 
maybe that has something to do with it, but there's, there's a good sort of flow and pace to those lyrics that fits in very well with the groove of the music. So I think that works out really, really well. When you talk about wherever you are and ready to go home. So as we already discussed, ready to go home was written by Andrew Gold and, and Graham Goldman, but ready um, wherever you are was co-written with them. John has, you know, a chance to sort of go off and, and deliver some of those really, you know, strong, heartfelt vocals here in wherever you are sort of near the end of that and ready to go home. It's, it's very melancholy, but yet it has this sort of peaceful feel to it. And, you know, there's, there's just something about that chorus that feels, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a juxtaposition between discomforting and and comforting at the same time. It's, it's very, very strange, but I do really, really find myself responding to that song. So you know, I'm very much on board with that. Now, the last time. So here we are, four tracks in, and now we get, you know, that little bit of Steve Howe magic. And given what's going to happen later in this record, this is a really, really great sort of way to to let you know that the magic is here. Now, again, Steve Howe shows up on two tracks on this record, this track and free. And this this track is a it's a different track. And, you know, if you. If you listen, I mean, you have to really kind of pay attention and and realize that it's Steve Howe. And, and, you know, Steve isn't doing all of the, you know, outrageous things that he normally does. But, you know, it's still very much Steve Howe. So you've got Steve and you've got uh, Vinnie Coliucha. Coliucha? That's what we're going to go with. Coliucha. And, and, you know, you've got this this killer sort of um, vibe going here. Um, you got some great low end going in there. I think, um, you know, the, the, the sort of rhythm of this is weird. And so Steve has to kind of be Steve Howe to fit in there. I don't know really what else you would put in there. Now, as you get later on into the song, though, you sort of start to get um, a little playoff because Ian Crichton also shows up on this. And it's a fun little game to play with yourself of which parts are Steve and which parts are Ian. And later on in the song, they kind of have a little bit of trade-off going on. And you you sort of get this, this indication that, you know, in the right circumstances, and we, we had this with, with Asia, or I'm, I'm sorry, with Aqua as well, you know, Steve can can function very well with another guitarist, and he can he can be Steve Howe, and he can augment what the other guy is doing, and the other guy can fit in well with what Steve is is doing, and it, it just kind of creates a, a deeper texture. So, you know, I really enjoy the fact that Ian and Steve seem to to play off each other very very well as this song goes along and you know, Vinny just Vinny makes this for me and, and 
you know, at the same time, you've got Jeff and John sort of, you know, providing this, this very cool, solid, rocky kind of, of bass in there. And it just, you know, this, this isn't all of the magic from Steve Howe, but like I said, it's, it's a great way to kind of let you know that, Hey, Steve Howe's here and we've got some, some you know, this is good. And so pay attention because we've got some stuff here that's really going to make you sit up. And, you know, I, I just, I, I really find this song to be quite, quite remarkable. Forgive Me is interesting. Forgive Me also written by or with other individuals, in this case, Jimmy Santis and Richard Tancredi, whom I have no idea who they are. I don't know what they've done. There's not really any, any indication that I've come across so far as to who these gentlemen are. And Forgive Me has a, a great, great introduction section. You know, Jeff is is generally front and center across a lot of this album while not stealing the show, which, you know, in Asia, Jeff doesn't always do that. Jeff sometimes is content to sort of, you know, not sit in the back, but certainly not be in the front. He's, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't feel the need to, to hog the limelight. And yet, you know, in this particular case, he really does. And the highlight for me of this is Michael Sturgis. I, from listening to these, these last couple albums of Asia, I have really become a Michael Sturgis fan. I just, I really, really enjoy what he does. And I think Michael Sturgis is the highlight here. I, you know, on, on the whole, I don't know that this song is game-changing, but I think Michael Sturgis is spectacular. Then we move on to Kings of the Day. I think this song is, again, not necessarily their strongest. I think it has really, really good ambiance. It sort of creates a mood. And I will say that Guthrie Govan on this, I think, is really, really solid. I enjoy Guthrie's work on this. And I think in a lot of ways it speaks to what we're going to hear on Silent Nation and much like Michael Sturgis was sort of the high point in Forgive Me, I think Guthrie is definitely the highlight of Kings of the Day. That then takes us on to On the Coldest Day in Hell. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your John Payne drama. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, you know, I, 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 it's it's a little bit over the top. It's a little bit of a callback to maybe some of the things from Aqua where, where John would kind of get off the leash a little bit. But much like then, I I absolutely just love it. Uh, I, you know, I, I find myself singing this song every time I hear it. And I, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's surprising how something that could be so schlocky really, to me, comes across as very, very enjoyable. Um, definitely like it. Now, there, what I find interesting is at about 4.15, you have this sort of this breakdown thing, and it reminds me a little bit of something that, oddly enough, Duran Duran did on the album Big Thing, 
Um, or it could be more of a Marillion moment, depending on on your perspective. I want to say there's something sort of in the the back half of the Marillion catalog, but I can't really put my finger on it. But around about 4.15, that song changes a little bit, and you get into this interesting little little deal. And then, ladies and gentlemen, we get to the pinnacle, the apex, the acme of John Payne era Asia. And that is the song Free. This song, I think, is largely responsible for me thinking that Aura was my favorite album all these years, um, at least among the John Payne era Asia albums. This song is just, ah, I, I don't even have words. Actually, I do have words. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a lot of words here to, uh, to describe this song. But needless to say, this song gets me excited. This song is all of the magic of Steve Howe rolled up into one. I mean, everything, you know, as we've gone through this, this song, Free, it, it may be the best Asia song ever. I'm not 100% certain, but it, there's so much to it. And this song, you know, even when you're talking about Asia, um, original Asia, and we, we covered this when we did the the first two albums, and I talked about it, I think, in the, the Astra section as well. These guys, Asia was comprised of people with heavy-duty progressive credentials, but Asia itself was never pro terribly progressive as a whole. It was, it was purposefully built to do something else with people who knew progressive music. I think free sort of bridges that gap. Free cashes in a lot of, I, I don't even know where to go with this. I'm, I'm sort of overwhelmed by, by, this, by this song. But right out of the gate, Steve Howe um, has this driving riff and there's this solid bass that's sitting underneath it that really kind of, you know, makes you feel good. And then Jeff comes in and he adds to this. And so now you sort of start to get this, this complexity of, of parts that are fitting together and really, really driving, you know, this music along. And, and this, this song really does drive along. Um, and then the, the chorus, you know, one of the things about this, the, the verses here is, again, this is one of those songs where it creates the tension. And as we've discussed previously, a lot of times when you have that sort of tension created in your verses, inevitably, the the chorus will dis dissipate some of that tension. It's very difficult to have sort of a, a catchy hook chorus that maintains that tension. But in here, the, the chorus seems to be very surprisingly balanced, and it does maintain most of the tension. It doesn't maintain all of it. Um, it maintains enough to sort of, you know, keep you in the mood, if you will. But at the same time, it still is very much sort of, a, a, you know, a chorus feel to it. Now, at three minutes, there's sort of this break and you get 
what I can only call the original Asia moment. You know, I'm, I'm going to assume that this is Steve Howe and Jeff Downs just saying, hey, remember when we did this? It was really cool. And it's still really cool when they do it again. From that moment, it goes into the first guitar solo, which I'm going to assume is Steve Howe. And so, again, this is another case. So on this song, you have... Um, on this song, you have Steve, Ian Crichton, and Pat Thrall all playing guitar. And, you know, I think it's easier to pick out Steve Howe. I don't really know that much about Ian Crichton or Pat Thrall. But I'm going to assume that the first part of the guitar solo is, in fact, Steve Howe, just based on listening to it. Then there's a breakdown at about four minutes, which is spectacular. And then you get into a second solo at about 4.30, which I'm fairly certain. I'm going to guess that it's Pat Thrall. If anybody knows for certain or differently, please let me know. But I'm going to assume that it is A, not Steve Howe. And B, I'm going to guess, based on what I think I know, that it's Pat Thrall. But this whole section from from three minutes into about five minutes, so you've got this two-minute section of, of music that is just off the charts phenomenal. And it's got a little bit of Asia in there. Um, it's got, you know, these two great guitar solos in there. And then it goes back to the verse at five minutes. Now, with two minutes left to go in this song, you're back to the Asia you know, moments, and it sounds like we're going to wrap this whole thing up. It sounds like we're 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 starting to wind this thing down, and we're gonna we're gonna stop this this song here. But no, no, we're not. We still have two minutes to keep on going, and now we start to bring in the drama influence, and you sort of have that. You know, Steve brings that that Steve Howe interpretation of the of the heavy, if you will. And so for another 90 seconds, you know, you get just uh, a, a sonic delicacy that is a, just, ugh, I, you can see I'm just overwhelmed. So for me, this song, Free, is a highlight, certainly of the John Payne era and quite possibly of all of Asia together. I think there is... There's so much about this song that, you know, maintains sort of the spirit of Asia in terms of being more accessible and everything else, but while still really utilizing the, the progressive background of these musicians. And I think this is just, you know, hands down, this is a, a fantastic, fantastic track. Now, after that, that's, that's a difficult thing to follow up, but they, they do a a pretty good job. So they, they sort of change directions here and they get, you're the stranger. And so we bring Elliot Randall and Michael Sturgis back in the house. And so this is, this harkens back very much to some of the, the jazzier feel in arena. And, you know, from there we go on to the longest night. And here again, we've got, you know, more great guitar work by Guthrie. I love the chorus on this song, but, but again, I think, it's Guthrie that really, really drives this. And then they close it all up with, with Aura. And this is just a rocking, rocking track. 
Um, it's it's got you know all everything that you would want from you know a, a closing track. So the CD that I have has after Aura has the three bonus tracks on it: Under the Gun, Come Make My Day, and Hands of Time. And you know it's it's interesting having sort of those bonus tracks after the album because uh, you know and and I understand why they do this they you know there's there's a track listing for the album as a whole and then you know what do you do with you know bonus tracks you have to sort of tack them on to the end but after you get done aura you kind of kind of feel like you're you should be done right and now you've got these three other songs and I, I mean they're they're really really you know they're they're good songs. And it would be interesting, perhaps, to maybe have them fit into, you know, within the Awaken Aura bookends, if you will. But, you know, that's not that's not what we have. At least not that's that's not what I have. So, you know, overall, I think this this album really, really brings it home. I think it's 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 a really, really strong album, despite you know, the sort of piecemeal way it was put together and, and all of the different musicians that they had playing on it. I can see where that maybe would get a little exhausting from the band's point of view, from, from Jeff and John's point of view. But I do think this is a really, really good, good album. And, you know, it, it, there's, there's lots to recommend it. Now, as I was preparing for this series and I started to purchase the back half of the Asia catalog, I, I posted some pictures of the discs as they arrived on Twitter. And, and one, of our, one of our followers on Twitter had made comment that, in his opinion, and I apologize that I, I don't recall who, which individual it was, but in his opinion... Silent Nation was the best of the John Payne era albums. And I, you know, when I popped it in finally to listen to it, I was immediately struck by, you know, how he could make that statement. It, it seemed very obvious to me. And I hadn't watched the documentary at that point. So I did not know, you know, the difference in the, the recording it as a band versus what had been done previously or anything else. And I think, you know, that sort of comes across. And the other thing that comes across, you know, immediately is this, this album in particular, I think the chorus is, it's like a, a, a usual suspects lineup of just killer hooks. The choruses on this on the songs on this record are phenomenally catchy. And so, you know, right out of the gate, I was like, yeah, this album pretty much kicks ass. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I can, I can see where he was coming from. And I was very curious to spend more time with it and, and see, um, you know, what he was thinking about. So moving on to Silent Nation. Silent Nation was released in August of 2004. It was produced by John Payne and released on Inside Out Music. It featured a more or less stable lineup of musicians. John Payne, vocals, now credited with guitar as well as bass. Jeff Downs, keyboards and percussion. Guthrie Govan on guitars and Chris Slade on drums. Now, 
I don't, I'm traveling, so I don't have my actual physical copy with me right now, and I don't recall this, but there are additional musicians that are credited on the wiki page, including Kim Nielsen Parsons, bass guitar on I Will Be There For You, Billy Sherwood, guitars and bass, Ant Glynn on guitars, and welcome to the show, Jay Shellen on drums. So... We're going to give them credit because they're on the wikis, but like I said, I, I have not um, followed up, been able to follow up on, the, on what's on the actual CD booklet. The track listing is What About Love, Long Way From Home, Midnight, Blue Moon Monday, Silent Nation, Ghost in the Mirror, Gone Too Far, I Will Be There For You, Darkness Day, and The Prophet. And as we is often the case here in this portion of the Asia catalog, the Wikipedia is relatively short in terms of introduction. Silent Nation is the ninth studio album by British rock band Asia, released in 2004. It was the last album with longtime vocalist and bassist John Payne prior to the reunion of the original lineup in 2006. So we have to talk about, I think... Billy Sherwood and Jay Shellen showing up here um, because those two, obviously, you know, this is where all the, all the, the streams start to cross in terms of, of progressive. So obviously Billy Sherwood was associated with yes. Um, you know, back in the Trevor Rabin days, he, that was when he sort of came on board. He had a writing credit on one of the songs on Union. He obviously was in the band for in in Yes for Open Your Eyes and the latter, as well as the tours that went with that before uh, joining the band as a bass player upon the sad passing of Chris Squire, actually even before that. So, you know, Billy Sherwood is is a you know member of, of official Yes right now today. But Billy Sherwood also apparently was or is a member of of Asia with the passing of uh, of John Wetton. Jay Shellen was associated with Asia featuring John Payne after the original lineup of Asia reunited. I believe Jay Shellen showed up in Circa with Billy Sherwood and Tony Kay. And Jay Shellen obviously has been supporting Yes in a live capacity um, while Alan White has been sort of dealing with some of his medical conditions for the past several years. So everything kind of comes together here. And I find it very, very interesting that that Jay Shellen is credited on here. And Billy Sherwood actually winds up with, with two, um, with two writing credits. Ghost in the mirror is one. And I believe I will be there for you is the other. So, you know, now we have everyone sort of starting to come together. And as I mentioned at the top of this segment, the, the the chorus hooks on this album are off the charts and the feel of the music, given the fact that it was recorded sort of as a live band. So you've got, you've got those two things going for you. You've got a, a different feel to, to the music, the way it was recorded, the way it was produced. 
And, you know, as John said, doing it as, as sort of a live band all together, all of the songs, you have sort of a continuity of sound, which maybe you didn't have when you had, you know, a whole host of different musicians coming in and out for the other previous albums. So you've got that and you've got these hooks. And so at first blush, yes, Silent Nation seems, you know, like maybe it's top of the heap. But Silent Nation is one of those albums where the more time I've spent with it, the the less I've sort of been impressed with it. I recognize the hooks and I like the hooks, but I find a lot of what is in between the hooks, a lot of the verses, the intros, whatever the case may be, they're not bad, but they're they're just not overwhelming. And so I'm not going to... I can, again, I can totally see why someone would, would really, really like this album. There's a lot to like here. Just for me, for what I listen to personally, I'm going to keep Arena and or Aura on, you know, ahead of this in, in the ranking. But it, it, that's not to say it's not a good album because it is. It's very, very enjoyable. And I've, I've very much, um, you know, I've had a great time sort of getting to know this record. And I anticipate that I will continue to listen to it even after I'm done with this series on, on Asia. But let's cruise through the tracks really quickly if we can. So what about love? Um, basic beat, good melody. And, you know, here again, right, right out of the gate, we've got one of those big, one of those big choruses, right? The sad thing is the lyrics for this particular big chorus are stupid. Um, so if you listen to it, if you sing along with it, it's, it's great to sing along to and, and, you know, your ear likes what you hear, but if you stop and think about it, it can kind of detract from everything. Moving on to Long Way From Home, the piano open reminds me of Fly From Here, which I thought was, was interesting. I also like the, the gritty vocals in this one. Um, you know, John's getting a little bit of growl in his voice here, and I kind of like that. But it's, you know, here again, you've got another very, very straight beat going on. It, it really makes me yearn for Michael Sturgis when, when I listen to this album. And, and throughout the beginning of this album, you know, here again, we were talking about how in Aura, Jeff Downs was kind of more in front, if you will, um, you know, leading certain things and, and being, you know, very prevalent in his keyboard lines. Jeff Downs is, is pretty subdued in the first half of, of this record. And, you know, I, I don't know what that means. It just, it, it illustrates the fact that, that Jeff is willing to and can do whatever the music requires him to do. And I admire that. Now, the next two songs, Midnight and Blue Moon Monday, as I've been listening to these, they, I, they suggest to me a, a Kansas influence. I get, you know, this, this indication, if you will, of, you know, they're, they're going for that Kansas wall of sound type um, guitar sound. But in, in in this particular case, it comes off a little bit smaller than maybe what um, Carrie Livgren and, and Rich Williams were able to produce on some of those earlier Kansas records. 
And I think certainly in Midnight, the Jeff's organ sound really plays into that an awful lot. Um, that was, you know, something Steve, Steve Walsh was not particularly known for his, his uh, keyboard sounds. And so you had a lot of, you know, organ type sounds. And I think this in Midnight, it sort of, that's what it makes me think of. Maybe I'm totally crazy. I'm not sure. And here again, you know, another big but simple kind of hook. So we're sort of starting to see a pattern develop here. And I don't know if it was, you know, if that was their desire, if they went out of their way to say, hey, we need every song needs to have a really, really solid hook. And they really worked for that. Or, you know, it just sort of happened. I don't know. But I, it, it's interesting that you have all of these big hooks. Blue Moon Monday is another one. The chorus on that song is just freaking huge. It is enormous. It is monster. Um, but the the verses kind of miss the mark. You know, on Blue Moon Monday, you've got, like I said, you've got this huge, enormous chorus, and the verses don't really lead you there, right? It. it it, they're not even close in terms of, you know, that level of intensity. And so it's it's a little disjointed to me when I listen to it. And, you know, I love, love, love the chorus. I want to hear the chorus a lot. And I want something that, that sort of leads seamlessly into that. And I don't really feel that I, I get it. Um, Silent Nation... You know, here you've got sort of a statement song, if you will, which has a really, really long intro. You know, I, I'm not really quite sure why it's that long. But, um, you know, this is this is the song sort of on this record where I think Guthrie really starts to exert himself. And, you know, his his riff in the verses is is just I. I think it's killer. I, I really, really respond to it. I think it's a lot better than maybe everything else going on in this song. And then you get here again, you know, we're, we're five songs in and we have another chorus with a huge hook on it. So you're, you're five for five at this point. And I think we're going to get six for six, certainly before we, we sort of back off on that. And, um, but honestly, by the time Silent Nation is done, I, I find the song is it's I find it to be repetitive and, and it doesn't really hold my interest quite as much as I would like it to. So, you know, that big hook can only take you so far. And, and there's there's nothing really, you know, supporting Guthrie and, and his his playing in this. And so, you know, for me, it kind of teeters out. But it does have that big hook. Now, Ghost in the Mirror. When I read that Billy Sherwood had a writing credit on this, it was like a smack in the face. Oh, yes, of course. Billy Sherwood's fingerprints are virtually all over this, all over this song. And how I missed it, I don't exactly know. But um, and knowing that now, I feel bad because I I don't really care for this song that much. And I don't know that it's because of the Billy Sherwood influence. and I feel bad, but I just, this is, this is not a song that really does it for me, but 
there again, you've got another big hook in both the pre-chorus and the chorus here. And so, you know, we're, we're now six for six. And then we go to Gone Too Far. Now, this song, I absolutely love the vocal melody. I think, um, you know, because this is, this is a slower song, so we don't really have the, the big hook. I guess we kind of do have the big hook, really. Um, but it, it's, it's not sort of bombastic. It's, it's much quieter, if you will. But it, it is, I guess it is a hook, so we'll give ourselves seven for seven on this one. And I, I do think that... You know, this is extraordinarily well done. And while I don't necessarily get what he's what um, he's necessarily singing about here, I mean, I get it, but it, it, I don't know that it's conveyed particularly well to me. The the vocal melody is just so good; it doesn't even matter. It, it's it. I think it's just it's very powerful. It's very you know fun to sing along with. Um, so yeah, big, big props on this one. And, you know, here again, I'm going to give credit to Guthrie because, you know, Guthrie gets sort of the ability to, you know, with the, the solo section or sections as the case may be to, to really kind of go off and do that sort of, you know, soaring guitar thing. And I think he does it very, very well. And I think it really, really adds to this song. So gone too far, big, big, big thumbs up like that one. And then we go into, I will be there for you. Is this Asia doing kiss or maybe if we're going to be, you know, somewhat less old, maybe simple plan, something, uh, you know, along those lines, it's the, the riff is very, very strange. Um, but again, we've got a, a very, very big chorus hook. Although it is, it there, there's a very awkward transition into the the bridges on this that just kind of, I don't know, it doesn't sit well with me. But here we are, eight for eight on the big hooks. And then we go into darkness, darkness day. If I will be there for you is Asia doing kiss. Well, darkness day is Asia doing Depeche Mode. Not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but there is a there's a song off Music for the Masses called Never Let Me Down Again by Depeche Mode. And specifically, there is a remix of that called the Agro Mix. And I hear this oftentimes in haunted houses at Halloween. But the opening of Darkness Day seems very much inspired by the aggro mix of never let me down again, which I just think it's very funny and they do it very well. And overall, I like this track. It's just, I wouldn't have anticipated, you know, a, a straight up Depeche mode ripoff. And then the album finishes up with the profit. Now, the intro to this is absolutely 100% terrible. I have no idea what these guys were thinking here, what Jeff was thinking in particular. This sounds like 2112 era keyboard effects. What the hell? We are in 2004 at this point. There is no reason to have sort of like late 1970s pseudo wind effects 
um, you know, for a keyboard intro to a song. It's it just, I, I, I have no idea why this particular opening part of this song is here. I, it, it, it boggles my mind, but I'm happy to say once you get past that intro and the piano comes in, it is so much better. Absolutely fantastic. And, and, you know, so it sort of re, uh, recovers itself there and, you know, all in all, it's a good song. It's, it's, it's an interesting finish to the album. I don't know, you know, where you would put it if you didn't put it at the end, but you know, it, it I, definitely don't think that you know it, it's maybe the the strongest track that asia with jeff payne put out there all in all it's a it's a very solid album i do like it but i don't think it holds up nearly as well as aura or arena but it is you know it, it there are a lot a lot of big hooks there and I think, you know, what they were going for in terms of of recording it as a band, I think it really does come through. I think they were 100% successful in being able to do that. So very, very cool. And then finally for this episode, then, we get the return of the original lineup of Asia. So Phoenix was released in April of 2008. It was produced by Asia and Steve Rispin and released on the label Frontiers. Personnel included John Wetton back on lead vocal and bass guitar, Steve Howe, electric, acoustic, and steel guitars, Jeffrey Downs on keyboards, and Carl Palmer on drums and percussion. And we do have an additional musician Um Credited here, we have Hugh McDowell, who is credited with cello on I Will Remember You and An Extraordinary Life. Track listing is Never Again, Nothing's Forever, Heroin, that's with an E, Sleeping Giant, No Way Back, Reprise, Alibis, I Will Remember You, Shadow of a Doubt, Parallel Worlds, Vortex, and Deya, Wish I'd Known All Along, Orchard of Minds, Over and Over, and An Extraordinary Life. And the very brief wiki introduction is Phoenix is the 10th studio album by British rock band Asia, released in 2008. It was the first studio recording with the original lineup after the reunion in 2006. I remember when this album came out. I was very, very excited uh, for this album to come out. And not only was I excited to get this album because of, you know, the return of the original lineup, I also had the opportunity to see this tour. And this tour had Yes with Asia opening up. And it was remarkable because Steve Howe obviously played both sets. And... You know, Steve, um, I'll never, ever forget. Steve played, you know, the entire, the entire set with Asia. And, you know, he, he then came on with Yes right away. The Yes suite, or the, the Yes 
um, set opened up with Siberian Katru, I've Seen All Good People, Tempest Fugit, Astral Traveler, and End You and I. All right, so he he did all of the Asia set. He did this whole thing, and then they sort of stop. And he does he does actually a, a solo performance. Like they, you know, everyone kind of left the stage, and and John, or I guess maybe it was Benoit at that point. Um, Benoit said something along the lines of, you know, oh, you think Steve Howe's going to uh, going to take a break? But no, he's going to do something else. So. Anyway, I got to see this concert in Fort Worth in July of 2009. And, you know, going to Setlist FM, because my memory is not nearly as good, so we're, we're going to have to assume these guys know what they're talking about. They opened up with Wildest Dreams, Only Time Will Tell. Then they played An Extraordinary Life. Um, and I wish I could remember this, actually, because Setlist FM says they then did Video Killed the Radio Star, as well as The Court of the Crimson King, which John Wetton has sort of, you know, become very famous for performing. Uh, notably, he performed it with, with Steve Hackett's band on their live, their excellent live album from Tokyo. And then The Smile Has Left Your Eyes, Don't Cry, Fanfare for the Common Man. Soul Survivor and Heat of the Moment. So a very, very solid, solid, you know, set from them at that point. And I remember, you know, being very happy that I got to see Asia perform because I wasn't sure that that was something that I would have, have been able to see. Now, as I, if you, if you listened to, you know, the original Asia episode that we had, where we discussed Alpha and then we sort of dabbled in, you know, things that came after. We, we talked a little bit about Alpha, a little bit about Astra, and I touched a tiny, tiny bit on Phoenix. But, at the, you know, in, in that particular setting, the group was not particularly interested in, in going too far down the road. They, they were really keen to sort of discuss the connections between Yes's drama and Asia and where Steve Howe went sort of in the immediate aftermath of leaving Yes. And at the time, again, while we didn't get into Phoenix too much, I was very, very high on Phoenix. I've, I've been high on this record for quite some time. And as I started to listen to it a little bit more closely for this particular section, you know, I kind of went back and, and spent some quality time with it. And certainly as I was at the same time listening to Aura and Silent Nation, initially, you know, this time around, I was I was starting to think that maybe, you know, there there was more hype to Phoenix than than substance. And perhaps that you know, this particular outing was, you know, a bunch of older musicians, you know, resting on their laurels, so to speak. And I was a little concerned on how I was going to deal with this record. But I'm very happy to say that repeated listens to this record then turned me around again. 
And much like most of the really, really enjoyable records that I own and that I've spent quality time with over the years, this album, you know, the more I listen to it, the more time I spend with it, the more things that I find that I really, really like. And you have to sort of dig deeper. And, and but the, the deeper you dig, the more stuff you start to find. And what you what I find found is that, you know, the, the more time I spend with this album, the more I'm really coming to respect it. And that's really why I'm excited to to finish up recording this episode and then be able to get into, you know, the, the three albums that I've never heard, which would be Omega, Triple X and, and Gravitas, because based on what I've I've seen here on Phoenix, I, I just can't wait. So that being said, I think the songs on here have a lot of depth and, you know, it's amazing how, how easily they were able to sort of reestablish what, what this group of four musicians had going, you know, back in the mid eighties. Uh, you know, the, the Asia balance is here. It's very clear. You've got, you know, very talented musicians with, with certain skills and each one sort of rotates through and has, you know, their time to shine, so to speak, without overwhelming the others. Now, getting into the songs here, never again, you know, is, is this what what better way to sort of herald the return of the original lineup of Asia than never again? I'm sure it was a conscious decision to either A, record this song, or B, put it first. Because this is like, you know, heat of the moment part two. And it's like, hey, remember that song you liked back in 1986? Well, this band is back and we can sound just like that again. I'm happy to say that they don't do that all the time, but they have the ability to do so. And, you know, I can't help but wonder, given what we just talked about, if if maybe some of the experience of writing free for Aura and and sort of Jeff and Steve revisiting, you know, that sort of that sound, if that didn't in some way sort of point towards this. I don't know. But never again. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's an original Asia song. You can't mistake it. And John sounds a little older. He sounds good, but he's got like a little gravel in his voice now that I think adds a little bit of character to it. Really, really like it. And then it goes into nothing's forever. Now nothing's forever starts with, um, with, with this acapella intro, right? And then from that, there's like this sort of weird trumpety keyboard snare thing going on. I do think that the, the verse creates a sense of noir, a sense of mystery. You, you have sort of the impression of being taken someplace. It's, it's, it's very cool. And, and that, you know, it's that sort of, of level of intensity that, Maybe I wouldn't have caught first pass, but the more time I spent with it, the more I'm like, yeah, I really, really like it. And um, the chorus in this is sappy, but it's very listenable. So, you know, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't detract 
from you know from anything in terms of of being too accessible and then of course in the in the second verse of this you get the steve howe acoustic stuff and we all know how i feel about steve howe on an acoustic guitar i think honestly i'm beginning to believe that nobody does that better um moving on to heroin that's heroin with an e as in female hero it's an unfortunate homonym, um, but one that doesn't seem to bother um, John Wetton at all. He just kind of blows through it. And I think it's a very, very sweet song. I mean, there's there's nothing really to say about it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice ballad. It's not world changing. It's not terrible. It, you know, it's, it's a, it's a sweet song. Then we go into Sleeping Giant. No Way Out and Reprise or Reprise, depending on how you say that. Now, and especially given what we're going to talk about, you know, a few tracks from now, I find this song to be very, very confusing. The Sleeping Giant and and the Reprise of that are one thing, musically speaking, and No Way Back is a different thing. But, and we've got musicians here, as we've discussed previously, with extensive progressive credentials, extensive songwriting credentials. These guys know how to do this. So could someone please explain to me why, if they were going to string these three bits of music together as a single track, did they not take any effort at all to musically join them together? Sleeping Giant merely fades out while No Way Back fades in, and then at the end, the exact opposite happens. There's no attempt here to join these up at all. It really is three separate tracks that are just faded in and out of each other. I, it drives me up a wall. I just can't, I can't understand it. Now, that being said... These, you know, these these two musical themes, if you will, are really, really cool. Sleeping Giants has definitely a Tales from Topographic Oceans feel to it. And No Way Back is just freaking huge. I mean, it is kick ass from, you know, from the moment it gets going. And the vocal performance is phenomenal absolutely killer vocals i mean and and one of the things that i'm interested in in seeing as i go through the rest of these these records you know in in this album john wetton is on his freaking game as a vocalist and i love it absolutely love it i think he's fantastic and i think you know no way back is a great example of that it's it's it just gives him a chance to really, really drive it home. And I think he does it very, very well. He seems to have a really, really strong voice at this point. It just, I wish that they had taken the time to maybe connect up these pieces musically better. So that's kind of a, kind of a drag. Moving on to Alibis. It, Alibis is a 1980s song and maybe not in the best way, <laughs> if you will. Um, John Wetton is singing high in his range on the verses, but he, it, it, it's okay. When we talked a little bit about Alpha, I, 
I think this came across. If not, it was in the uh, in our offline text. But here in the palaver, when we were talking about Alpha, Ken had made the point that on that record, John Wetton is often singing out of his range, and it sounds a little forced and a little thinner. Here, he's he's very high in his range, but it still sounds okay. So I don't know if that's you know just you know, a better technique or, or what that is. I do like the chorus. Um, and I love the end bit with the sort of harpsichord and wood block bit. I think that's a, a really, really, you know, enjoyable way to, to end that song. I will remember you. I think Steve's guitar here complements John very, very well in terms of the sort of interplay between the, the vocal line and the guitar, which is very, very cool. Shadow of a Doubt kind of makes me laugh. It Every time I hear the intro to that song, I think of Rock and Roll Dream from Astra. And, you know, but that's okay. It's, it's, it's all good. Nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that. You know, and, and I think John Wetton and Jeff Downs seem to like occasionally to sort of write these straightforward sort of rock pop songs. And, and this is a, a good, a good example of that. Now, the next track, Parallel Worlds, Vortex, and, and Deya, this is Prague. This song, you know, if I was, if I had to ask, or if I had to, if I had been asked and had to answer which Asia song was the most Prague, would it be free or this? I'm not sure. And, but, you know, certainly within the context of this album, this, this track stands apart because you have three very different portions of the song musically speaking but unlike the previously mentioned sleeping giant no way back and reprise these are you know they flow into each other they're connected musically you can tell where the transition is but it's not abrupt it's very smooth it's it's well done and so the fact that they can do that here i don't know why they didn't do it up above but this is this is great um parallel worlds has sort of a countdown to zero in terms of the vocal melody and sort of that tension obviously the 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 subject matter is totally different but it's 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 a beautiful beautiful vocal memory and i love it i think vortex is just killer and then at the end of it as we get into day yeah we get more more yes more steve how acoustic please Please, please, please give me more of that. I want it. I want more of it. I hope I hear lots of it in um, Omega and Triple X. Now, this is where this this next section of the of the album is really where some of this the payoff is for spending more time with this record. Um, wish I'd known all along, and Orchard of Minds in particular are songs that I probably didn't really care for when I first listened to this record. However, the more time I spend with them, the more these two songs really, really resonate with me. I think these are spectacular. 
So when Wish I'd Known All Along opens up, you think it's going to be boring. It really does have an extraordinarily straightforward sort of opening. But then when the real verse and the chorus come in, oh my goodness, what a change of events. This is really what you're looking for now. This is interesting stuff. And it, it given, you know, the first few seconds of this song, completely unexpected. Um, yeah, you know, I, I oh, it, it, and just just the fact that it's such a fake out, it, it makes it all the better. Absolutely, absolutely love, love this song. Um, I just think the, the the melody is is very different and catchy, um, but at the same time, it's it's got a little bit of sinisterness to it that I like so much. And yeah, absolutely spectacular. Wish I'd known all along. Great one. And actually, that is is um, credited with being written by Steve Howe. And you know, you've got you've got Steve Howe on the the choruses as well. Which you know, I'm not usually a huge fan of Steve singing, but here, it's phenomenal. It 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 gives you that sort of texture against John, and oh, love it. And then, Orchard of Minds. Now, Orchard of Minds was written by Jeffrey Feynman and Daniel Percy. I, if anyone knows the story of this particular track and how it wound up on this this record, I would love to hear it. But this song is haunting and beautiful. The vocals give me chills. They're they're really aggressive. They're really high, but it sounds comfortable and it's so freaking powerful. Um, you know, fast forward to two minutes and 50 seconds in and, oh, just enjoy, enjoy what you hear at that point. You know, the, this song, like I said, these two songs are, are really, in fact, maybe three tracks, eight, nine, and 10, I think are, are really, really top shelf. And and they're songs that again I would not have maybe latched onto right away. They, they they don't have the the huge in your face hook of never again or nothing's forever. They don't have or even alibis. Um, you know, an extraordinary life has has a big hook and and it's it's sort of a little bit more obvious. But these three songs are just you know, I don't know that there's anything better. Um, that that this group has done to date. Now again, I haven't listened to the other the other records here, so I'm curious to see. But yeah, I, oh, I'm absolutely just loving life listening to to this section of the album. And then <laughs> I I shouldn't laugh. So over and over again is is credited with being written by Steve Howe, and and this is Steve Howe goes country. And it's strange for me to say, but I'm totally okay with that. Um, you know, country is not my thing, but you know, Steve Howe and, and yes, in general, have sort of a long history of sort of dabbling in, in country business. But, um, you know, it, it, it's good here. And, 
I think Steve's part is really, really interesting on this song. And there's, there's excellent interplay between him and, and Jeff in terms of sort of trading back and forth in this. So while over and over maybe doesn't have some of the intensity or progginess of the last three songs, it, it certainly is very, very enjoyable to listen to. And then An Extraordinary Life. This song is interesting. Once you hear it, you can never forget the chorus. The chorus um, is, it's amazing. It should be very treacly, 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 sweet and sappy. Um, But it's impossible to not sing. It just gets in your head like the little bugs in, in, uh, in Star Trek two, and it won't leave you alone. And, and when you think back to it, if you're not listening to it, that's what you remember. You remember that chorus because it is, it, it's, it is sappy, but it's not disgustingly. So, but it's so enormous that you can't get past it. You can't not remember that, that chorus. But when you listen to the song, the amazing thing is really to me, how aggressive the verses are, especially compared to how, you know, sweet and over the top triumphant the, uh, the chorus is the verses in terms of the vocal line are pretty aggressive and I like it. I like it a lot. I think maybe that's what, what balances out the, the chorus in this song and makes it palatable. So, that brings us to the end of Phoenix. Now we're, you know, we're in the home stretch with regards to Asia. So we've got the three albums left, two more with with this, you know, classic lineup with the four of them. So that would be Wetton, Downs, Palmer, and Howe. And then for the last one, Gravitas, Steve left and he was replaced by, uh, I believe, Sam Coulson. Is that his name? Yes, Sam Coulson. So I'm very, very keen to get into those records and see what we have. And then as we finish this up, again, these should be released in pretty short order. And then that will lead us back into um, celebrating Yes as we get into celebrating Yes 50 and the Summer of Yes and the rest of the Yes catalog. But next episode, we have to look forward to the last three Asia albums, that would be Omega, Triple X, and Gravitas. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation. Again, if there are any comments or questions that you have regarding these three or any of the other Asia albums, please reach out to us. We are available on Twitter. Instagram, and Facebook at Progpala, P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, or search for Progressive Palaver. You can also email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. And Progressive Palaver is, as always, available for subscription and download on both iTunes and Google Play. And we are hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.